Welcome to the Lionfish Podcast. I'm Scott Ganello, and today we are talking with Phil Carp. Phil, tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so thanks so much for the invite, Scott. So I'm an uh, uh, independent citizen science scientist and ocean advocate. I used to be with the World Bank, but I retired about a, about a year ago. And uh, even before retiring, I'd been uh, devoting my time for the last uh, 10 years or so um, to looking at the interface between marine conservation and livelihoods of coastal communities. And one of the issues uh, that this led me to is the problem of invasive lionfish. So how long have you been doing the invasive lionfish side of things? About 10 years. Wow. Uh, so I, um, in 2013, I volunteered with an NGO called Reef CI uh, on a coral reef uh, conservation project. and. They were focused uh, in particular on lionfish management. So I learned about the problem of invasive lionfish and the threat that they pose to coral reef ecosystems, uh, not only in Belize, but across the Western Atlantic. Um, and because of my interest in the link with livelihoods, um, I began to think about ways in which this problem um, of invasive lionfish could actually turn into some opportunities for coastal communities. So got involved in looking at um, market-based approaches. Um, and one that I focused on in particular is the use of the fins and spines of lionfish to make jewelry and other types of handicrafts. So 10 years you've been doing this from when you first started to today, uh, improvements, better off, worse off, what, what's kind of the... Well, in terms of the jewelry, it's been, it's been really incredible to see, um, see this develop. Um, when I started in 2013, uh, I think it was a little bit of a case of, um, uh, I won't say great minds, but uh, maybe innovative minds thinking alike, because I, uh, in sort of one day staring at the um, uh, carcasses of lionfish that had been cleaned, uh, you know, cutting board with guts and semi-digested prey and the like, I'm staring at these things saying, what the heck could you do with these? And somehow it occurred to me that the fins looked like butterfly wings and the spines looked like porcupine quills. And at the same time, what popped into my head were images of the jewelry that um, uh, Native American women and women in some African communities make from porcupine quills and even some of the art that it was made from butterfly wings. So, um, you know, I sort of said, hey, well, could we maybe do something with these? And um, people were a little bit interested but skeptical as well but i dried some uh, spines and i dried some fins and brought them back to the mainland and i printed out pictures from the web of porcupine quill jewelry and uh, butterfly wing jewelry and took those pictures along with some spines and fins to a few artists and they said yeah we'll give it a try and that's sort of how things started here in belize i learned later that just around the same time, uh, a few artists in Cozumel 
had started experimenting as well. Um, I then connected with a couple of NGOs here in Belize who supported um, some workshops um, initially in the south in Punta Gorda. Uh, one of the ladies who was trained in the first workshop here in Belize uh, then became a trainer and trained a bunch of other ladies up in Sartaneja. Um, that was organized through a different NGO, Blue Ventures. And Blue Ventures took this on as part of a broader uh, lionfish control pro pro uh, program that they had. So I worked with them to establish actually a cooperative um, with 19 women from all across Belize uh, who were trained not only in how to make the jewelry, but also in small business skills. Um, and they started to take off. Uh, at the same time, I was doing some uh, blogging, uh, sharing pictures on social media about lionfish jewelry, and was contacted by NGOs as well as some individual um, artists in other countries around the Caribbean saying, hey, um, you know, we're interested in this. How do you do it? So I did a little bit of research. Um, I contacted a taxidermist and learned about how to best preserve um, fish fins and uh, other parts of fish. Um, I contacted some jewelry artists about the type of materials that would be needed. Um, and you know we tried them out. And um, a lot of innovation took place. And what's been really interesting is seeing the um, product develop across a region with slightly different design ideas coming up, but then quickly being shared through social media pictures. So um, an idea, an innovation, like using the inside of the neck or the operculum of the fish to make something that looks like angel wings was first tried by an artist here in Belize, and then artists in Grenada started to copy that. Um, the artist in Grenada thought of an interesting thing about using um, uh, chickpea, dried chickpeas instead of beads. Um, some other artists uh, were using things like um, bottle caps. So you have bottle caps from Belican in Belize and from uh, Red Stripe in Jamaica. So interesting stuff happening. Cool. So what's the, you know, what's the clear benefit of buying lionfish jewelry? Yeah. So when I first started out, um, I was thinking about how you could incentivize fishermen to target lionfish. Because what I was hearing was that they were reluctant to do so because lionfish are relatively small. Um, there's a risk of um, uh, getting stung, of envenomation, so you'd lose fishing days. And the price um, of lionfish per pound or per fish was lower than that of other species that these fishermen typically target. These are free dive fishermen who dive for conch and lobster, but also um, will take along a spear and will we'll target finfish at the same time. So I was thinking, yeah, you know, maybe um, we could somehow increase the landed value per fish by having the fishermen sell the fins and the spines to artists. And in fact, um, we did an analysis in 2015, we being myself and some researchers from here in Belize, from, um, from the Cape Luther Institute in the Bahamas, um, 
from an NGO in Grenada and one in Mero in the Grenadines. And we basically calculated based on the value of fillets and whole fish in each of those jurisdictions and what uh, fins and spines were being sold for, what the increase in landed value would be. And we found that it ranged from more than 40% in Belize to around 20% in some of the other jurisdictions. So that was considered to be significant. And in fact, um, I later found that many of the artists were in fact beginning to buy fins from fishermen, uh, going price being about a dollar uh, Belize, which is 50 cents US per fin. So you figure you can get a tail, um, maybe uh, the pelvic fins and a few spines out of each fish, that's two or three dollars additional beyond what they're getting paid for a whole fish. So that was the original motivation. And I think that that still has some validity, but it's turned out that the real, real benefit has been um, new livelihood and empowerment opportunities for women. Um, to give an example, one of the first workshops we did here in Belize, one of the women came and she was saying, you know, I, my husband was really upset about this. Uh, he threatened to leave me if I wasted time with this lionfish jewelry thing. So I saw her about six months later and I said, you know, I was worried about you. What happened? She said, well, you know, when I went home, my husband was, was upset, but he got over it. And in fact, when he went out fishing, he actually brought me a few fins. Oh, wow. But then um, after I brought home $200 from selling jewelry, <laughs> the next time he said, how many fins do you want this time? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the another benefit is by buying the jewelry, you're employing people and incentivizing them to go out and catch more lionfish. Absolutely, and also raising awareness. So part of the uh, part of the training in the workshops um, is to um, uh, make these you know women aware of the threat posed to their. Uh, their reefs by lionfish and um, the benefit of removing them. And they, in fact, become almost ambassadors around that. Uh, and some of them have become really, really strong advocates and spokespersons around this. And the way we tied in with some of the other market-based approaches was um, in restaurants that are serving lionfish, we would provide free earrings to the servers. Oh, wow. So the servers would be wearing these earrings and pushing idea. lionfish on the menu and people would say well you know why why should i bother with this and the servers also were given a little bit of a spiel about why it's important to oh, that's great. Uh, to remove lionfish so uh, through the commercialization we also helped to raise awareness so from 10 years ago to today um, how's that going with restaurants and with restaurants um, you know around the across the western atlantic there's there's a pickup um, uh, here in Belize, there's a fair number of restaurants, particularly in the resort towns, uh, but there's one or two in Belize City as well. Um, you know, in, uh, in the southeast part of the U.S., there's more and more restaurants. It's less known um, outside the southeast, although there's some initiatives now to import lionfish um, and to bring it into the Midwest and elsewhere. A big boost to the um, you know lionfish as a seafood item was the decision by 
uh, Monterey Aquarium Seafood Watch in, I believe it was 2017, to um, list um, invasive lionfish as a best choice. And that really, really formed a big boost because shortly thereafter, Whole Foods started selling lionfish in some of their stores in the southeast, public up in uh, up in New England. Um, so you know that that really um, uh, helped quite a bit. On the jewelry side, um, I think a, a, a sort of a, a good um, evidence, if you will, of how uh, lionfish jewelry is taking off is that shortly after I got involved. Um, I did a search on Etsy, which is a, um, a sales platform for uh, handicrafts that a lot of different types of handicraft artists sell through these online Etsy shops. And there were, I think, three that had lionfish jewelry, one from down here, one in Florida, uh, I think one in Curacao. Um, I did that same search um, maybe three or four months ago, and there were more than 20 oh, wow. different sellers, many of them in the US. Um, there's quite a number of women in Florida who are doing lionfish jewelry and actually doing some interesting stuff because um, Reef Environmental Education um, Foundation has also done some training um, on lionfish jewelry. They have a, a particular design that um, uh, is almost self-contained in the sense that they provide almost a kit with um, uh, with the jewelry findings, a UV light, resin, um, and um, and some fins. One of the really interesting things that um, emerged down here in Belize and has been replicated elsewhere was the idea of how to replace all mm -hmm. of the materials that had to be imported and weren't readily available in a typical fishing village. So I don't know if you remember the scene from the movie Apollo 13, but there's a scene there where um, they realize that there's a problem on the spaceship in that they're building up uh, carbon dioxide. And they need to figure out a way to make a CO2 scrubber. And they bring a box to a bunch of engineers of items that were found on the <laughs> spacecraft and say, okay, you guys have 12 hours to make a CO2 scrubber out of these materials or these guys are gonna die. And sure enough, they use some old socks and duct tape and yeah, they a make a CO2 motivator. scrubber. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so not quite the same, but we sat down and said, okay, how could we make lionfish jewelry using materials you'd find in a typical fishing village? So we said, okay, the uh, crimps, which is a, a piece of metal that holds the fins to um, to the wire. Um, it's called a ribbon end crimp. We said, well, you could cut out a piece from a tin can and do that. So that was, there we go, we got our crimp. Yep. Well, the earring hooks could be made from stainless steel fishing wire. You can find that in any fishing village. So sure enough, um, one of the ladies uh, who was very experienced started making hooks and taught the other ladies how to make hooks. Right. And then we said, well, what about the sealant? This jewelry resin is expensive, hard to find. We said, well, you know, pretty much every fishing village has spar varnish, varnish that you use to make your boats waterproof. So sure enough, we used uh, boat varnish instead of jewelry resin. 
And then to deodorize the, the uh, fins, we used um, a nail polish remover, scented nail polish remover. And then finally, if you wanted to dye the fins, uh, to basically use the nail polish remover as a solvent, put a couple drops of food coloring in there, oh, wow. and there you go. So um, what's been happening, at least here in Belize, is that the jewelry that's being made for the local market is very much from these um, recycled or local materials, whereas the jewelry for export markets is using more expensive uh, imported material. And over the years, do you see lionfish jewelry making kind of peaking out with too many people in the market trying to flood the market and prices dropping? I, ha I haven't really seen that uh, simply because I think there's still not, uh, you know, uh, a lot of mass marketing going on. Um, the most successful marketing channels that I've found when, you know, when I've um, helped some of the uh, women's groups sell their jewelry have been um, through events or organizations where people will already have some awareness about the problem of invasive lionfish and therefore be motivated to look at something that will have that benefit. So uh, conferences such as the um, uh, um, Gulf and Caribbean Fisheries Institute Conference or the International Congress on Conservation Biology or the International, um, um, let's see, ICCB, International Congress on um, Marine Conservation, IMCC, International Marine Conservation Congress, and dive shops. So a number of dive shops are distributing. Uh, I think that down the road, um, it could take off with channels such as aquarium gift shops, um, you know, even, um, you know, department stores and the like. But that would require, I think, a, um, an intervention on the supply side uh, to have reliable um, supply chains, which when you have small scale artisans, that's a little bit difficult. But my dream, if you will, is actually to have a network of cooperatives like the one here in Belize, which is called Belianus, in several of the countries in the Caribbean and to brand this as official Caribbean lionfish jewelry and then to reach out to channels such as aquarium gift shops or department stores. Um, but of, of course that requires having the whole supply chain um, reliable with quality control and fulfillment and the like. But I think it's, it's possible and that's an area where, you know, I think that um, if some of the organizations that are involved in supporting uh, marine conservation and invasive lionfish management um, in the Western Atlantic region were to look for a type of a project idea, I think that would be something that could be quite valuable. There are NGOs such as Aid to Artisans that specialize in helping you know, small scale um, producers of handicrafts to actually get into international markets with the necessary quality control and volume and the like. Nice. So if somebody wanted to get into making lionfish jewelry, are the lionfish fins readily available or are they, how would they find them? There actually them? are. There are actually some, 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 some people on Etsy actually selling fins. Okay. Um, the other is uh, often at lionfish derbies. Um, if 
through discussion with the organizers to basically arrange to have uh, some of the fins harvested and dried. Um, or, you know, contact a, a, a fisherman or fisherwoman that you might know right. who is uh, harvesting lionfish and say, look, hey, can I cut off the tails? So, yeah, um, I, I, I sort of um, suspected that there would be someone or someones who would specialize in supplying the fins and really look at, you know, how to preserve them uh, in volume. Um, the typical and most common fin that's used are the tails, and they pretty much all look the same, yeah. which is nice uh, in many ways. But there are other fins from the fish, particularly the pelvic fins, that every pair is unique. And that's where you can really come up with a higher value, um, you know, fin product. So, for example, here in Belize, the tails go for about a dollar, but I know one artist who's willing to pay up to five dollars for a, a pair of the pelvic fins that are um, nicely colored and similarly shaped, because she can make a one of the one of a kind pair of earrings right. out of those, whereas the ones made from the tails look very similar. Yeah, and those are all the little white dots on there. Exactly. Right? So each yeah. one has different dots. Slightly different dots, but it's not as noticeable as. Um, um, on the pelvic fins, they have different combinations of blacks and reds and oranges right. um, and dots where every one is unique. Wow, that's interesting. Or every pair is unique. Yeah. So if you're, if you're out there and you want to learn more about lionfish, where would you send somebody? So I would send somebody, there's, um, um, I'd, I'd send somebody to the Reef Environmental Education Foundation website. Um, there's also a lionfish portal that was developed jointly, I think, by Reef and uh, GCFI, if I'm not mistaken. But unfortunately, it's not all that up to date, but it does have some good links. Uh, NOAA has some very good um, resources on its website about lionfish. Lionfish jewelry, per se, uh, if you just Google lionfish jewelry, you'll find a number of sellers, um, particularly the sites on Etsy. Um, and also on Facebook, uh, a number of the, um, you know, the sellers in the Caribbean have Facebook pages. Um, there isn't a single sort of uh, site right now that has links to all of the lionfish jewelry uh, available, but a, a Google search will certainly get you to various sources. Well, I actually have a solution for that, and we just updated the app Lionfish Patrol, and it's a free app. You can get it at the, you know, your app stores. It's a free download. Um, and if you're a jewelry maker or an artist that does anything with the lionfish fins, you can set up a business account. Interesting. And we just added the category. So you can go under art slash jewelry. Mm -hmm. And that will be a great place for everyone around the world that's making lionfish jewelry to have a kind of a home base. We can also do it for restaurants and chefs awesome. and dive shops and charters and all that. So Sounds great. Um, any, anybody out there that's already doing lionfish jewelry, you can get a free account on Lionfish Patrol, which is a lionfish app. Um, it's the only global one. We're in 23, 24 countries now, and it's still growing. Um, and yeah, and we'll market, we'll actually market the lionfish jewelry companies. Awesome. So um, yeah, lionfishpatrol.com or go to the app store and, and grab that. So before we close up here, lionfish, are they here to stay? Unfortunately, I think that they are in the Western Atlantic. Uh, I don't think eradication is possible. But the good news 
is that the evidence shows that with regular removals, whether it's through commercial fishermen or culling done by conservation groups, if the populations are kept under control through culling, um, native fish populations that uh, you know have been decimated in certain locations begin to recover fairly quickly. Um, the other piece of good news, of course, is that they're good to eat, which makes it much easier to provide commercial incentives for those removals. So um, jewelry, promoting seafood, traps, all of these efforts together, I think, uh, can you know make an impact, but it requires an ongoing effort right. um, to keep their populations under control. Right. So all you listeners out there, go to your local restaurants and ask if they have lionfish on the menu. And continually ask, and eventually they'll say, wow, it's a popular item. We need lionfish on the menu. So we need to kind of create a market quicker than it's happening because we need, we need more lionfish removed. So any, uh, any closing thoughts? No, just thanks a lot again for the invite um, and for all you do to help organizations um, that are involved in lionfish management with their various technology solutions, the app uh, being only one of them. So uh, I definitely um, use the app. It's a great way to uh, keep track of your own numbers to find out what others are doing. And it's great to hear these other um, sort of little channels that are developed through the app, such as for um, for seafood and, uh, and jewelry. Um, I'll certainly help to make sure that the jewelry artists are aware of that. Great. Well, you know, a little sidebar here. Um, I've worked with Phil for the last year and a half on a bunch of different projects, but it's always been on Zoom. So I actually finally got to meet him, and I had to come to Belize to meet him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was a, some great work we did in the last, this last week. So um, nice to know you. Great, great working with you. And I look forward to doing some more cool projects in the, you know. Likewise. Thanks yeah. a lot. So that's, that concludes today's Lionfish podcast. If you want more information, go to lionfishpodcast.com, and you can learn more about Phil and what he does. And, yeah, have fun. Mm-hmm.